So the reading today is 1 Peter 5, verse 6 to 14, and that can be found on page So that's 1 Peter 5, verse 6 to 14. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Beth, for reading that. Um, we're going to start today in a slightly different way, doing something we don't normally do, which is, um, I think there's so much in that passage, so much I'm not going to talk about, and I want all of you to be able to really dwell on it, and you might miss things that I'm going to say, but God might be like really reminding you or bringing something to you. So the words are going to come up on the screen, I hope, there we go, this is just verses 6 to 11, and I'm going to read the bits in yellow and you're going to read out the bits in white. And it's just to help us get our heads around it, okay? So I'll go first. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in new time. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Great. Now we're going to do it again. You're going to read the yellow bits. I'm going to read the white bits. Get it into our head. So you're going to start this time. Go. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and 
Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. To him be, par, be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the many promises in that bit of the Bible. And we pray today you would help us respond as we should with humility to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this week I was chatting to someone about an experience in their life. And the experience they'd had in their life had been very hard, unexpectedly. So they had headed into doing this thing, thinking that their family background, their spiritual life, their gifts, meant that when they tried to do this particular job, they'd do it really well. Well, that wasn't the case. In fact, the word they used was catastrophic. It was their word, not mine. But they said... That failure freed me. It freed me. It freed me from thinking that I could do everything myself and allowed me to think about what can I really do to serve God that is different to what I might have expected. And they said, now in their life, that's basically what they're exploring. Their humility came through humiliation. But it was a gate to something better. That's why I put a picture of a little door there, because that's what serving God is like. You have to get down low, be humble enough to see what's on the other side. And you will only see the amazing things God has for you to do to serve him if you get down low and your attitude is humble. We saw that last week. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Remember we said last week, grace travels downward. That is, you can only get grace. It means undeserved goodness. You can only get that if you admit you don't deserve it. If you're humble, then grace can flow to you. Humility is therefore the way of becoming a Christian. You're only a Christian today if one day you said, I need help, and you accepted Jesus' help for you. That's how you became a Christian, if you've done that. But it's also the way we live as Christians, therefore. We think low thoughts of our own importance. We want other people to thrive more than we thrive. We approach everyone else assuming they have something to teach us. Why do we take that attitude? Because our whole life was saved by being humble, by accepting there was something we didn't deserve. It is a low little door to walk through, but there are amazing things on the other side. It is freeing, but it is only possible and not soul-destroying to have low thoughts of yourself because of the message of Jesus. Jesus is the one who says, listen, you are deeply loved and valued and cared for just as you are. That gives you the freedom to say, 
I get it wrong a lot of the time. My value and significance, they aren't in question by knowing I get things wrong. We are, as we talked about last week, schooled in our culture, in our time, if you're from the UK. We are schooled not to be humble. We're schooled to constantly put ourselves in the middle of every situation. We're told in school from a very young, the important thing is that you reach your potential. We're told to believe that. We say, oh, service, yes, service is very good, it's very important. But we get deeply offended if anybody actually requires us to serve them. We're fighting to be honoured and respected. We even think, I think, in our culture that if I disagree with you, in some way I'm threatening you because even you criticising my opinion is a threat. It's exhausting and it's ugly, actually, and it's impossible, but we're schooled to do it. Well, this last bit of 1 Peter is talking to Christians who are always finding themselves marginalised, ignored, pushed to one side because they're Christians. And Peter has been saying, listen, if to be recognised and honoured and commended and liked is important to you, if in life to be really recognised as great matters to you a lot, well, first of all, you're probably not a very nice person, but secondly, living as a Christian will be impossible. Because walking the path of Jesus is walking the path of being rejected and mocked. And here in this bit of 1 Peter, he's saying, yes, your pride will kick in as you experience that. You'll fight that. But he says, kill your pride because God opposes the proud. Pride is the opposite of Jesus, who actually was God and yet suffered for others. It's a challenge But Peter is saying today, you need to cultivate humility because God opposes the proud. But today he's going to see it will actually make your life better to be humble. It will make your life better spiritually. It will make your community experience better. You'll actually know God personally if you're humble. If you de-center yourself, your own wrong desires, and you move them out of the way, it's hard but it's better. So here's four things humility means. Here's the first one. Humility means casting your cares on God. I love these things are called wayside pulpits, Christians trying to be clever to make people think about Jesus and they're just cheesy. This is a good one. To catch catch up with Jesus, let us praise and relish him because he loves me from my head to my toes. Yeah, see, I love these. Or this one, this is, look, this is from outside an actual church. I love this one. Forecast for tomorrow. God reigns and the sun shines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I could keep going all day, but I won't. Here's one that is both cheesy but actually true. Someone gave me a bookmark with this on once. It said this. Long-standing problem, try kneeling. Oh, yeah, you like that one too. That one at least has, the, uh, has, the, has good advice, actually. When we say, this is uh, often this time of year, this is what teachers say to you, is any teachers in church, this is what they say, I'm on my knees by the time it gets to nearly Christmas. 
And we don't like the idea of being on my knees. We mean, realise it means I'm weak and dependent and out of my depth. It's bad. Because we've been taught, haven't we, that to thrive is to be the best and to know you're in your sweet spot and be doing things you really love and enjoy and feeling energetic about it. Peter here is saying, while he's been saying throughout the letter, it's better to suffer than to sin. Here he's applying that and saying, it's better to choose somewhere hard for Jesus where you are deeply needing God's help than choosing somewhere easy and happy where you become proud and cold and above asking God for help. It's only long-standing problems that bring us to kneel. Now, I get it's hard. Life seems to be hard enough without choosing a trickier life. But you see what Peter says here. He says, humbling yourself in verse 6, It's just an invitation to experience the reality. The reality that God cares for you. That experience of being humbled, of like my friend I was talking to this week, doing something and thinking you'd be great and then it being a disaster. It's an invitation to know the care of God. The mighty hand of God you humble yourself under cares for you. For you. There are really only two ways here. First, you can seek the place of doing what you're good at and be competent and respected and require everyone to respect you. I think Peter's been saying you can't stay in that place forever as a Christian without compromising. Eventually, the world will be against you enough that you'll come under pressure, and if you really want to be respected, you'll compromise. That's one way. Or you can choose to humble yourself under God's mighty hands, which sounds much harder. Admit to God you need his help and choose difficult things because they're right. Things where you're out of your depth. People don't like you. But if you do that, what you get to do is cast through your anxieties Onto God, who deeply cares for you. I must say, the first way of living, I think it's a myth. I realise all the high achievers and influencers are not showing their anxieties on Instagram. But the truth is, highly successful people are often also highly anxious. So the second one is the only one that's actually connected to reality. We choose what's hard and we give the anxiety to God. So a Christian says... I don't need to be important. I don't need to be respected. I don't need to fight you to find my place. It's not important to me that I get recognition or honor. God with the mighty hand. All power, as Peter says, belong to him. So I give up fighting for that. And the blessing I get is I get to put all of my anxiety on him. Because he cares for me. Can you see how God gives grace to the humble? Now this word here, cast your anxiety in verse 7, it literally means cares or burdens, things you're carrying. Anxiety today has more medical meaning. 
an out-of-control psychological thing where you should get medical help. So that is not, this is not saying, you know, just cast that type of anxiety and God, you'll be fine. You should get all the help you need. We're whole people. But there will be a spiritual component to anything we're feeling. Last year, I was studying this with someone, and I made that caveat because I knew they told me that they had mental health struggles, and I said, oh, this may not be talking about medical anxiety. They said to me, hey, 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 don't be too quick. Yes, I do need my meds, and I'm helped by my therapy, but I also need to learn what I am worried about, learn to identify it, and leave it in the mighty hands of God who cares for me. And I am a worrier, but I can use that as an excuse. It runs in my family. We're all worriers. It's what we do. It's learned behavior and a personality type, and I can't get out of it. But you see what Peter is saying? Worrying can be, often is, pride. And we fight that, we crucify that, but it's a good crucifixion, because what you get to do when you crucify pride? Throw all your anxieties on God, his mighty hand. I'm uh, often one to be slow to make applications about this, about our church and our church culture, but it seems like the moment we've got to do it. Tonight we will meet to pray, and unless everyone really takes my sermon very seriously this morning, uh, there will generally, when we meet to pray here this evening, be less people here than there are now. Why is that? Well, there's all sorts of practical issues to do with childcare and everything else. But some of the reason in our church culture, where lots of us are highly successful, competent people, some of the reason, maybe lots of it, is we like better the feeling that we listening to a sermon or doing kids' work or serving coffee. We like that feeling better than we like the humble feeling of saying as a church, God's the one with the mighty hand and we depend on him. And when we say other things about not wanting to gather to pray, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I can't be bothered, what we're actually often covering up there is what we're really saying is we don't really feel like we need God to help us. And I'm telling you, we really do. Now, I can't read anyone's mind. You, you may be sitting there thinking, this is making me really cross. I've got a good reason. Great. You've got a good reason. I can't, you know, not judging your conscience. But here is the thing that could be true in a church like ours. It doesn't matter if we don't pray. We'll sort it out. And Peter says, humble people cast their anxieties, their cares on God. Here's the second thing humility means, knowing your enemy. This is one of the great scenes of film history, uh, the battle of the earth in Avengers Endgame. Some people like that type of thing. Uh, I still don't really understand what happens in this scene. Like Thanos looks like he's going to win, and then lots of people appear through the yellow sparkly things, and uh, then he doesn't win. I don't really still really understand why that happened. I mean... Good, I'm glad that us lost, but how did they all come back to life and kill him? I don't know. Anyway, but this is what, why Thanos uh, went down in this scene, because he underestimated his enemy. 
And this is one of many ways I can say, if you've watched these films, don't be like Thanos. He underestimated his enemy. Now, the Bible describes us having an enemy called Satan, the devil, Peter calls him. He is defeated by Jesus. When Jesus was uh, crucified and resurrected, the devil was defeated. And what we are experiencing in the world now are his death throes. As his kingdom fights to take as many people out as he can before he's consigned away forever by Jesus judging the world. But as you'll know if you've read any war history, that's often the worst bit of a war. When defeat is definitely coming, that's when people lose all morality and fight in the dirtiest way. That's what we are experiencing now. And Peter says the devil is looking for Christians to devour, and being humble before God will mean staying alive to that. He says, be alert, watchful, and of sober mind. So keep your eyes open and think carefully. I wonder how often do you think that? The things I am experiencing are the devil attempting to devour me. Now, I love the way he just says, resist him, in verse 9. So he's not saying, be really scared of the devil, he might beat you. See, in verse 9, he's just like, keep your eyes open, resist him. Sounds very simple. He says, uh, so resistance is possible and straightforward, but only if you have your eyes open and only if you're thinking in the right way. Let me tell you just something I've learned from experience, really. When a Christian shipwrecks their faith, by which I mean they make a bad decision that hurts them or hurts others or means they walk away from Jesus and the church, when that happens and they talk about it, sometimes people do come come and discuss that type of thing with their pastor, when they're saying to me, I want to leave my marriage, or I have committed fraud, or I don't want to live as a Christian, when you dig in and talk about that, that thought did not appear that morning. They did not wake up that day and say, I'm going to hurt everybody I know and give up being a Christian, because I feel like it today. The thought pattern that led there began a long time before. It began as a little seed. I have to do this wrong thing. Because it's not fair that I'm unhappy. I have to cheat to get more money because I really need this expensive thing. I can't forgive that person because I've never done anything wrong. I have to give up being a Christian because I have to have success in this part of life. That began ages ago thinking that way. And that's grown into this ugly plant that's ruining everybody's life. The real question I want to ask, but it's too late to ask really, is when did you so easily begin believing those very obvious lies? When did you stop being alert? When did you stop thinking clearly about your choices? You felt like just at some point you decided to put yourself first for a while, compromise a bit, just begin thinking this way a little bit. Peter says 
That was your spiritual enemy on the prowl looking to devour you. Wake up. Why weren't you watchful? Why weren't you awake? Now, I love the way he says he is a roaring lion. Uh, that means with a bit of looking out and sober-minded, he's not hard to spot. You know, he's not creeping up, tricking us. And that's true, isn't it? When people are making bad choices, they very rarely think they're making good choices. Satan is roaring at them. But they're easily devoured. What do we need in response to all of that? Humility. Judge your enemy correctly. Wake up every day thinking, I could easily get sucked into believing and doing really wrong things. You know, if we wake up every day thinking, yeah, I'm a very solid Christian, I'm doing very well, I'd never fall for any of those temptations he's just listed to me. Peter's like, have some humility. Wake up. Think clearly. There is a spiritual thing going on. Now listen, I don't think we need to get all sort of like weird. I mean, some people do need to get weird already there. Uh, but we don't need to get weird and think every time some temptation comes, think, oh, it's Satan. We don't need to identify that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you just, you just need to be humble and watchful and thoughtful. Then you won't need to be worried about being devoured by him. I do think lots of us, when it comes to this, we're basically functionally, especially if you come from the West, we don't believe in the spiritual world. We are functionally think everything is just physical. And so we think, this is my choice or this is my choice. I might make this choice. Peter says, draw back the curtain and see the spiritual impact. There is an enemy wanting to devour you. Be alert to that. A good friend quoted this verse to me recently. He said to me, two people have commented that you, me, have this particular fault. He clocked that, human as I am, I was likely just to defend myself and proudly reject what other people are say saying. But he gently said to me, be careful here because there's an enemy prowling around. Don't just brush off this bad behavior. Be humble. Know your enemy. Take it seriously. Which was hard, but he was right to help me be watchful and think soberly. Third thing, humility means accepting your experience is common. Those are some ruins from a city in Lebanon called Tyre. Tonight we'll be hearing about and praying for our partner church in Lebanon entire. Now we get only the highlights of their mission and pray for those. I'm sure like any church they have plenty of inter-church problems and disagreements like our church. Still, I often wonder what is going on here that here in the Western church, the UK church, people get really offended by not being given enough attention or not being allowed to go to the small group they want to go to or the songs they don't like singing. That's happening here. While in the church in Lebanon, they're continuing to feed and care for their enemies, like a community that actually preaches they're all infidels that deserve to die, while they're threatened with violence under the fire of missiles. Like, what's going on there? How can they do that? And we are bothered about 
not liking that verse of that song. How come I can't forget myself long enough to serve my family or put up with my difficult workplace, to show grace and share the gospel to the people I work with? How come I can't do that, but they can stay under missile fire in order to care for their Muslim neighbours? The easy option is to say, well, there are special Christians there, special different Christians to us. They have some special gift we don't have. No, says Peter, you can resist Satan's schemes to pull you towards pride in the same way that Christians throughout the world are doing that. They're all basically the same type. The temptation is to give up trusting Jesus, being humble before others. That's the same temptation everywhere. And he says you have the same experience of that as Christians all over the world. God may be helping them more, I guess, because God particularly shows grace to the humble. But it's not that they're just better at dealing with this type of thing than us. Resist it, Satan. Stand firm in your faith that God stoops to you in grace when you lower yourself, rather than slowly but definitely fall for his lie that it's okay to do wrong things because of your situation. Because listen, all over the world and in the history of the church, normal Christians are doing remarkable things because they fought exactly the same battle to humble themselves. Peter gets our psychology here, I think. I don't know about you, and if this is just me, well, think about what a bad person I am, but I don't think it is. I so often think, oh, I can sin here because nobody really understands how hard it is for me. See that? Pride. I'm above everybody else. Different. <laughs> Peter says, nope. Your struggles are the same. It's every Christian in the world. We're schooled to think we're different. In the West, is constantly saying, oh, can we just change doctrine or ethics to fit with our culture? Because we know a little bit more than you Christians in the developing world. And I think we need humility here. The Christians living under bombs, building a church in Muslim countries, they're probably the Christians with something to teach us. And we should learn from them how to deal with our struggles. Rather than saying, oh, they don't know how hard it is for me resist temptation it's Christians who are rejected and marginalized and humbly served they show us Jesus humility means accepting your experience is common last thing humility means knowing the God of all grace this talk has talked a little bit a lot I guess about the battle to be more humble just trying to be humble is a burden Yes, there's a freedom to it, but there would just be conviction and challenge and pain to me saying, crucify your pride all the time. But Peter in verse 10 opens up the whole picture. When you come to know God, to trust Jesus, you get to know the God of all grace. You live each day in the comfort and security and peace of being called, of personally being welcomed and loved by the God who always has more grace and kindness for us. 
I wonder, do you ever meet people who just seem very secure? You know, people who don't need to fight with other people. They're very at ease with themselves. I would bet it's because those people know that they are loved. They don't need to fight with you for your recognition. They're secure in the people who love them. That can be all Christians, because we know the God of all grace. We know he has called us to eternal glory in the end. We know the suffering of being rejected for him will pass. If you're going to be highly invested in the goodwill of people around you, your pride will always need stroked. You'll not be humble. It's not really living as a Christian at all. But if you believe the God of all grace loves you, he will bring you through to eternal glory in the end and to steadfastness now, whatever is making you wobble, if you believe all the power actually belongs to him forever and ever, then you can say it's true. I don't need to display how great I am. Humility isn't just killing pride, although it is killing pride. Humility isn't just an attitude you choose to put on, deciding other people matter more than you, although it is that. Humility is what happens when you know the God of all grace. When you know he has called you to eternal glory. Pride is what happens when you think you need to earn God's favour or you have a right to a comfortable life or if heaven is not real. Someone was telling me this week, um, a very humble person, so I was, got this out of them, about a decision they had made that really humbled themselves. They're a very well-paid, highly ranked professional and they've made a decision to serve and love people that no one else really cares about. And they were talking to me about doing that with their life this very humble decision that they've not made a fuss of. And I sort of said, well, how did you decide to make the decision? And she said, someone said to me this, if Jesus isn't real, what you're doing is crazy. If Jesus is real, the humble decision is the best decision you can possibly make. So is he real? In a moment, we are going to share communion together, which is one of the ways God helps us accept that it is real. And I think if Peter were here, reading his letter to us, as well as finishing by sending, sending us greetings from all of his friends, he would point at the bread which shows the body of Jesus who died for us. He would point at the wine which shows us the blood of Jesus which cleanses us. And he would say to us, like he says to them, this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, so much that through Jesus, we know you, the God of all grace. That whenever we come to you for help, you always give it. No matter how much we have got wrong, 
You always want to help us. Lord, please make that real to us today as we eat bread and drink wine and remember Jesus. And so may be formed in us as we feed on him humility.